Well, it's hard. You know, being an entrepreneur is hard. Being successful is hard. Being a not success is hard. Pick your hard. It's always hard. You know, the and I think that people, they they get so close and they can't see. I mean, my buddy uh, Dr. Greg Reed wrote the book Three Feet from Gold. You know, if you if you look at the folks that have taken and you know they they you know they bet everything that they had this gold vein, and they dug and dug and dug and dug and quit, and you know took all the stuff and and sold it for pennies on the dollar and whatever the people they sold it to took the exact same machinery, dug three more feet, hit the biggest vein of gold in, in the history of the world at that time. You know, how many times I think that people don't they don't sequence their successes. You know, I mean they they want the the grand slam to use a baseball analogy, but you got to have three people on base to have a grand slam. You know, you got to have other people's participation to be in that position. They're not happy hitting the single and then maybe going up to the double, into the triple, into the home run, and to the bases loaded home run. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Click on podcast, scroll down, and you can download this episode and all our other episodes on different platforms, YouTube, and so forth. As always, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, you can click on the homepage under Find a Trusted Professional, and we'll make sure you get someone that adds good value to your home buying and selling process. But we're not here to talk about real estate today. You click over to that podcast, roll down. Scott, thank you for the show. And, how, how, you know, you, you and I got connected on another platform right. uh, on podcasts, right? Yeah, I have my own podcast, so I was looking at – what other people were doing and saw your show. And I said, well, let's do a home and home. I like it. I like it. Now, how long have you had your show? Uh, well, I've had multiples. This one's been running now probably about 67 episodes. Oh, wow. I'm actually going to modify it. And uh, right now I do five days a week. Not sure I'm going to stay to five days a week. Actually, I might go to five days, stay five days a week and actually extend it, make it longer. So uh, it's you know, when I became a professional speaker back in 2003 and did that full time, everybody said, you got to have a book. You got to have a book. I don't want a book. doesn't matter whether you want it or not. You got to have one. It's your calling card. Today, you got to have a podcast. If you don't have, <laughs> if you, don't have a podcast, you know, that's yeah. so that's the way I coach um, my entrepreneurs is to um, have yourself a podcast. Well, what if the people don't listen? Well, then increase your content, make it better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to start every one of these off with a little joke, mainly because my father-in-law, when I first started the show a little over a year ago, said you got to do a joke, so now I intentionally do bad jokes. Perfect. All right. You ready for this? Sure. I've got a great joke about road construction, but it's not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the freeways around here for sure. Man, it, it really seems like – uh, as a matter of fact, I was in uh, Chicago 
not this last weekend, the weekend before my wife was running a marathon. And it was funny is the Uber driver taking us to the airport. I said, you know, I've been coming to Chicago for a long time, you know, ever since I got out of the Marine Corps many, many, many centuries ago. And one of my very close friends I was in the Marine Corps with, I would fly to Chicago several times a year to see him. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this highway not under construction. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, I moved here from Indiana 10 years ago. They expand the highway all the time. So as soon as they get done with it, they expand it again. And then as soon as they get done with it, they expand it again. Seems like road construction. Maybe I should have gone in the road construction business. Well, they only got two seasons in Chicago. Winter and construction. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that one down to remember that. That's uh, actually, I moved here from Chicago way oh, back when. So Okay. What part of Chicago? Schaumburg, northwest Schaumburg. suburbs. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love Chicago. Matter of fact, we're, we're – there's two restaurants that we're really, really partial to. One is called La Scrolla, which is a, 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 a Italian restaurant up over off Grand. And the other one, of course, you know, pizza, deep dish, Chicago. Uh, our favorite is Pequot's. And so even when Laura and I or even our daughter is traveling with us and we're taking an international trip, we'll do a connection through Chicago and do like a six-hour layover so we can go catch the train <laughs> Go get a beer and eat some good pizza and then yep. catch the train back and then jump the flight to go on wherever we're going. So we're pretty dedicated to that Chicago-style pizza. Well, you know, I mean, with Lou Malnati's and Nancy's and, yep. and Uno's and Gino's and, man, there are so many good ones. And people, you can always tell who's new. Right. They order a large and the waiter or waitress start laughing at him going, you'll get through one piece. Right. Oh, no, come on. I'm going to eat the whole thing. <laughs> You're yeah. right. Mm-mm. No, you, you, <laughs> not a you, chance. you had to be Andre the Giant to try to scarf that thing down. And For I'm sure. not sure that if he was still alive, he'd be able to do it because those things are huge. Oh, that's so thick. So good. Ugh. Yeah. I, man, I'm getting hungry already thinking about that. So you've had your show. And one of the interesting things that I learned about podcasts when – so I interviewed Aaron, who you met. As, as my 52nd episode, because we've been dropping an episode a week, and she's really helped me be successful with the show, so I wanted her to be my year-mark show. And it was really interesting is when she said, you know, 70, I think if I remember correctly, it was something like 75% of podcasts that have been started are dead podcasts. Like, they don't make it to the year-mark. They're just out there in podcast world, just sitting around waiting for somebody to accidentally trip over it. So what do you, what do you do to keep yours? Because it is it's a lot of energy to do that. Like, I I don't know that I could do it five days a week. I record in bulk over a yeah. period of two three days. Aaron does all her magic, and then we just have them drop. So I record about every eight to ten weeks. I'll come record another set. So you're doing five a week, man. That's a, that's a lot of energy there. Well, I I think it's I would I would bet that the number parallels the entrepreneurs that drop off because it, it's a commitment. Either you do it or you don't do it, you know, and, and I think that that's the, the biggest part of it is people getting into it without, you know, having a coach or knowing the techniques or knowing the process or, you know, they do the show and then they don't promote or they promote and do a not so great show. You know, one of the things, uh, let me tell you why I do it. I'm opening up business left and right simply by listening to my guests. You know, I've always prided myself on being a a master connector. Uh, I want to be the hub to everybody else's spoke because the chances of you needing what I do professionally 
the minute we meet, maybe 5%. Chances of you needing to know something I know, someone I know, probably 95%. So if I can become the hub to your spoke, now you're on my show. Uh, it happened uh, probably about three weeks ago. I had a guest on Tuesday, and I, I asked the question, so what's been your greatest challenge through the pandemic? And they laid it out. It made all sense in the world. Thursday, I said, man, you've been having such success, to a different guest, you've been having such success through the pandemic. What solution are you providing that nobody else has? And the guy laid it out. And I realized it was the solution the guys on Tuesday needed. I put the Thursday guest with the Tuesday guest. Guess there's a seven-digit deal coming together now. Wow. And it's simply by listening. And I think what, you know, entrepreneurs, they don't explore. They don't go out and, you know, just imagination, right? The the imagineering of, of Disney. Well, when you have a podcast and you ask the questions and you do the different things, I work to lift up my guests and to help them present more of their product, good or service, whatever it might be. And so if you do it in such a way that you're serving people, it's amazing how they'll help draw your audience, they'll grow your listenership over time, they'll keep it fresh and live. If you stay in contact with them and you do good things with them, it's amazing how, and in fact, I encourage them to have a show. And they go, ah, I don't want to have a show. I said, fine, I'll be your co-host. And I actually have a couple different shows that I'll probably be added to because the person themselves is afraid to do the show. But with somebody kind of holding their hand and doing it with them, they're more than willing to do it. And more importantly, they got some amazing connections. Why wouldn't you offer that up to somebody? Man, I, I so I originally got turned on to podcasting. A friend of mine, Donnie Bovine, had has got several shows now. I've been really successful at it. And then a couple of years ago, I was picking his brain, and he said, "Look, the difference between being successful or not is how much preparation goes into this. You know, if you're just going to go get a microphone and whatever, you could." Be successful, but your chances are mitigated, right? Right. Um, and so I'd done a lot of research uh, and then was able to meet Erin. And I really loved Erin's process of her interviewing me over a period of several months because she was trying to learn from who I was and how I would do my show of who I would target and what the show would be about. And then she was able to, she's a great listener, and put the pieces together and said, hey, I think that your show is about connecting with other high performers, intellectuals, people that have been out there and gotten some road rash to get to where they're at. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly who I want to target. And and, and she said, because you don't really care about the cash potatoes because if they're just listening to your show to listen to your show, they're just going right. to, they're just listening because they got nothing but time on their hands. And, and and so three of the things that I've really taken away from having a show for over a year now is, one, how much I learn, like you were just saying, right? Yep. Uh, here's something. I mean, I take – I got my notepad here. I'm always writing down notes. I'll go back and listen to something. Plus, I'm ADD like a squirrel. I'm methamphetamine. So if I don't remember something, I can – I remember whose show it was. I can go back and listen to it and be like, oh, yeah, that was a great idea. The second thing that I've really – 
gotten out of this is even the people. So before you, I had Greg Monroe's good friend of mine, not just a friend, fellow professional in, in real estate, he's a lawyer in real estate, but he and I were in the same forum for EO entrepreneurs organization. So I already thought that I knew him really, really well. And I'm always fascinated by even the people I know the best and the longest just doing the show. I learned things about them. I never even knew. And yeah. just, so, I, that, that, so it's self-fulfilling. And then the third is really what I like to joke around and say, this is really a codependent show for everybody else that's really being successful in business because it helps us realize we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true. Well, I think what you're saying in the middle there is, is very true. How many times, even if you know somebody tremendously well, how many times do you sit down and have a 30, 40, 50 minute conversation with them, just the two of you, that there's no agenda. It, it just kind of floats, right? That's not a usual situation. You know, people are so, you know, me, 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 now, now, now. We're in this immediate gratification thing. Hey, we got to hurry up and do all this different stuff. What the podcasts do is allow you to simply ask questions and listen, develop other questions from what you've heard. And you're probably going to ask even closer friends different questions than you would, you know, in a five or eight minute conversation. So I think part of it is you get lost in the, in the process itself. You know, you don't, you don't think about the microphones being in front of you or cameras if you're videoing it or all those different things. I think you just get into a good quality conversation and it's amazing what pops up and because it's so focused, the chances of getting a, a, you know, a new and timely and exciting piece of information to pop out is pretty high probability. It's just fun. It is. And, and one of the things that this show has forced me to do, which is not my greatest quality, is be a better listener. And it's really funny. Like even with my most introverted guests that have come on the show, I'll tell them, man, look, when you go back and listen to this, I, I can almost assure you that I'm only doing 20% of the talking, which everybody knows how extroverted I am and how much I talk that it forces me to stop. And then when the other person is talking and then I'm like, man, maybe they've actually told me this a hundred times. I've just slowed down long enough to listen and be like, wow, that's really interesting. You know, or like my previous guest, Greg, you know, going, he's not doing this stuff that he does because of the reasons you would think his reasons were interesting that had <laughs> nothing to do with what he does, but that's his driver. That's his passion. That's his purpose. The results, the results are he's a lawyer in commercial real estate and that's the vessel, but it allows him to get what he's really passionate about. And because th one of the things you said a second ago that really, you know, uh, uh, resonated with me is how many entrepreneurs start but never finish or they quit along the way. And that's what I like to term is the difference between entrepreneur spirit and entrepreneur courage, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of people that have the spirit to go do this. And then either they don't have the capacity, the qualifications, maybe the capital, maybe the number of different things that allow them to be successful at it. To me, a lot of that is just that drive and desire or many times I have joked around on the show is if you ever want to know the characteristics of somebody who's an entrepreneur if you look up the traits of being bipolar, they've got at least eighty percent of those, <laughs> right? True. And but for like for like me personally, 
I just I I won't quit at things. Like I, I'm like, hey, look, I, if this thing doesn't work, it is not going to be from a lack of trying. But there's something interesting that has come on my radar over the last couple of months. So I've got a, I've done a lot of different things, you know, from you know, real estate, Marine Corps, law enforcement, restaurant. Yeah, he's, as my buddy Ricky Salas says, he goes, I'm like Forrest Gump. He said, if there was nobody there to verify your story, you would seem like a fictional character, <laughs> right? And uh, or, or as I joke around or my wife says, I'm a jack of all trades, just a master at none of them. But one of the things that I've done in a past life, and I don't do as much now unless it's a really, really good company, is I'll sell a company for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so years ago, I sold a manufacturing company, uh, and the guy that was selling it was a Marine. The guy that was buying it was a Marine. I'm a Marine. And uh, so the guy that bought the company, after three years, so a little over a year ago, he calls me and just says, Hey, I mean, this is a company that was around for three generations and 75 years prior to me getting here. I've tried to run this thing for three years. I, 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 I'll sell this thing at a discount. And I said, no, you're just ready to listen now. <laughs> and it's so because I wanted him to be successful, not just being a fellow Marine, being also a TCU alum, but I'd sold him this company and I wanted him to be successful because I knew he could. I said, man, you don't. You don't have a manufacturing problem. Y'all have been building what you've been building for over 78 years. You've got that down to a science. I was like, you have an operations problem. Right. You got a people problem. And I said, more importantly, you got a problem that the only person who's ultimately at, at the heels of it is the person in the mirror. And you're going to have to have some real conversations with that person. But if you do that, I can assure you you're going to be in a significant better place. So I said, here's what I'll do. I'll do a Zoom meeting because I split my time between here and Colorado. And he's, you know, out east of here several hours. So there's, it's hard to be in the same place. So we, we've been doing this almost every single Wednesday for over a year. He's gotten rid of the people that were problems. He's brought on people that would solve problems. His company is profitable. He's doing well. And he's in a different place now. And... The the interesting thing about it was, is I said, man, you were getting in your own way. And as entrepreneurs, we do that. But I said, now what he's experiencing is is what I call the the one percent, right? And I I don't know if I've heard this and hybrid and meshed it together or who knows, made this up on my own. But it was just this thought that I had is, in my experience so far at a half century on this planet, is the ones that really, truly do something different and really, truly become successful, they hit that bottleneck, right? Yeah. And then that's when the universe throws everything at them to include this, the kitchen sink, right? Because nothing ever breaks or goes wrong when it's convenient, Never. right? And I mean, he was dealing with just one thing after another, after another, after another, not just him, but other people that are in my business. And I said, just dig in, man. You're almost there. And he's like, it doesn't seem like that because it seems like everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong. And I said, yeah. I said, that's the universe right now. The universe is paranoid that you're going to win and the universe is fighting against you right now. And the universe is digging in its heels because the universe's win record is 99%. So this is the point where even those that could make it, this is where they throw in the towel. This is when they find excuses not to succeed. This is when they decide, no, this is just not going to be for me or I don't want to deal with the stress. And I said, 
you're actually just inches away from being through that very small bottleneck and being on the other side where great things are going to happen. I've been on, I've been in the, in those shoes more than once with myself to where I'm like, I'm not just saying this to say to be a philosophy. I'm saying it because I've, I've been there where it was like, you know, people go, well, you never quit. And I'm like, no, and they go, you never think about quitting. And I'm like, bullshit. I think about it all the time. Like, <laughs> like, man, my life could just be easier. Right. And less stress. You know, what would it be like to, you know, work 40 hours a week and who really, and people that have 40 hour weeks, how many of them really truly work the 40 hours and have weekends off and a guarantee check and benefits and all this. But that's also not who I am. I've made myself virtually unemployable, so I couldn't go work for anybody. I'd be the worst. You would not want to hire me to be an employee. I'm a horrible employee. I was a great Marine, but I was a pain in the ass. I was a great cop. I was a pain in the ass. Anybody I've ever worked for, they would tell you, yes, he was a pain in the ass. And it, it, so, so that's why it's better for me to be an entrepreneur. But, but when you make it through that other side, and then now you're sitting there like, this is great. Wow, this is what it looks like to punch through that final barrier. And then it also creates a sickness because you're like, now that I've done it once, I can go do this again. Exactly. Except for now my wife's like, please make this your last hurrah. Like, like, hey, like, let's start thinking about, you know, retirement. We're, you know, we're at that stage of life. We could, we could actually consider things like that. And so that's why it's, it, it is so funny. It's when people come up and they go, man, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, no offense, probably can't. And they're like, why? And I was like, well, first off, you're normal. <laughs> yeah. and, and secondly – do you like like self-inflicted pain, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. do you like being stressed Sleepless all the time? Nights and, you know, yep. I mean, I've, I am for the first time in almost 20 years under 200. And people are like, man, you look thin, you look great. I'm like, thanks. They're like, what's your secret? I was like, for the last six months, I haven't slept, I haven't eaten, <laughs> and I've been under an incredible, incredible amount of stress because I, mean, I, I just got through the bottleneck of another venture that I had been creating, Right. And I said, leading up to that, just, I mean, and it was, I mean, man, the, the universe really acted in this one is I was, I was in the process of pulling something off that people who have made billions in real estate said, not only can it not be done, but if it could be done, there's no way in this market it could happen. And I mean, anything and everything that could happen along the way was becoming a barrier leading up to it that even two weeks out from what I'll call phase three of what was about to occur I got incredibly sick. And I mean, wasn't COVID. I was going to the doctor every day. I even told him I was like on the fifth time, five days in a row going to the doctor. When they came out to swab me, I was like, I really hope that comes back positive for COVID. They said, why would you say a thing like that? And I was like, because I've been here for five days in a row and I hadn't left my house and y'all keep cramming this thing up my nose to give me a negative response. At some point, I'm ready for something different, you know? And But I mean, I was sick, sick. Like, Worse than when I had pneumonia in 1994 when I was in Romania. And Romania really wasn't known for its medical advancement technology back <laughs> I then. I wouldn't think so. And even got medevac and flown to Germany. I was so incredibly ill that that didn't hold a candle to how sick I was. So, but it wasn't just being sick. It was, I still had two weeks worth of stuff to do. And so I was literally sleeping for like two hours at a time to get an hour's worth of energy to get the next thing done to just literally fall down to my bed, sleep another two hours, get up and work for an hour to where on September 28th, when the ink was dry and the money was exchanged, and we actually had a huge investor meeting that evening at the Fort Worth Club, and people were like, I, you know, we always trusted you. It's the reason we gave you money. And we were like, if there was anybody that could pull this off, it was going to be you. But man, we were really curious how you were going to pull this rabbit out of your hat. 
And I was like, man, I am not going to lie to you. I literally got across the finish line crawling because the universe was, was going to try to, but the thing that universe forgot, I've done that 1% thing before. Yeah. And, and, and I was either going to die <laughs> or we were going to make this happen. So why do you think it is that, I mean, I know we could probably make a litany of things of why people quit up to that point, but if you had to sum it up in like one or two top things, because you're also a coach mm-hmm. and you've helped many of people and many of businesses. So you've, you know, probably got a bit of experience in this realm. What would you say are the top one, two or three reasons that people, when they're almost there, they just give up? Well, it, it's hard. You know, being an entrepreneur is hard. Being successful is hard. Being a not success is hard. Pick your hard. It's always hard, you know. The and I think that people they they get so close and they can't see. I mean, my buddy uh, Dr. Greg Reed wrote the book Three Feet from Gold. You know, if you if you look at the folks that have taken and you know they they you know they bet everything that they had this gold vein, and they dug and dug and dug and dug and quit and you know, took all the stuff and and sold it for pennies on the dollar and whatever the people they sold it to took the exact same machinery, dug three more feet, hit the biggest vein of gold in, in the history of the world at that time. You know, how many times I think that people don't they don't sequence their successes. You know, I mean they they want the the grand slam to use a baseball analogy, but you gotta have three people on base to have a grand slam. You know, you got to have other people's participation to be in that position. They're not happy hitting the single and then maybe going up to the double and to the triple and to the home run and to the bases loaded home run. You, you've got to, you know, in, you know, I think a lot of people sit in the, in it's a, I'm going to be a gazillionaire or nothing. Well, Okay, that's cool. What are you going to do when you get the gazillion? You know, are you going to contribute to humanity? Are you going to try to make the planet a better place? What's the reason for wanting the gazillion? Just to prove that you could get it? All right. Well, you're not going to have it long if that's the reason. I think that that people quit because they they stop thinking about why they started in the first place. What's the why behind what you're doing why are you so excited about this possibility? Again, people sit there and say, you know, Scott, as a connector, you know, you know all these people. Yeah. And I respect them. And I, I know information about people that nobody else knows. And it's going to stay that way. Why, why is there kind of that kind of confidence between those kind of people? Because you only do what is right and purposeful for them in your interactions and your time together. I don't think – I think people miss the home run or they miss the opportunity to really nail the big one because they've forgotten all the steps along the way and all the successes they've had along the way. You know, um, a it's so funny right now. I mean, literally, I have four clients in town that I'll be meeting with this afternoon. And it's they all have these separate things. And a friend of mine calls me the walking whiteboard. 
I see how they all fit together. And so we're going to have a meeting and we're going in front of a whiteboard and we're going to sit there and say, here's what I see. Now, if you guys like this, let's put this together. If you don't like it, let's not. It's cool either way. But the reality is people don't they don't use their God-given talents and abilities to their fullest. Again, when I went to become a professional speaker, the reason I left corporate America, a very good job, made plenty of money, played golf probably three or four days a week. Gosh, what was I thinking leaving that? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, duh, right? So I, I go off and I, and I do that and I, and I become a, a speaker and an entrepreneur. Well, I've done 2,500 live events to over, probably over a million in arenas selling millions and millions of dollars from the stage to people I've never met before in an hour or less. And I've experienced things. General Golan Powell, I was honored to share the stage with him. Unfortunately, his passing. One of the greatest men when we were out on the speaking circuit, but being able to sit in the green room and talk to him about leadership. Oh, my God, right? And so many others. I mean, I've been very blessed to do those kinds of things. And when you sit and you pick the minds of some of the, the greats, and what they've accomplished and how they've accomplished it. But here's the other thing that you find out. They all have their own issues. <laughs> they are people too. There are, I mean, I know some of the stories, I won't reveal them, but I know some stories of some of the struggles and some of the things that they've gone through. Now, some of the stuff that's very public, friends, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, got turned down by 144 publishers before HBI took Chicken Soup for the Soul. Next to the Bible, they have sold more books than anything else on the planet. 600 million books. But they had 144 publishers say, nobody will buy this junk. Are you kidding me? You talk about stick-to-itiveness. You know, the, the fact is, if your heart is saying, this is the direction I'm going, and here's why I think I need to do it. The model is probably already there in front of you. Go find the people that have been there before you and adopt the model. Learn from the best. When I decided I wanted to – I felt that I could touch more lives becoming a professional speaker than if I stayed in corporate America. That became very important to me. And so I went and I found the best speaking mentor on the planet. And paid him a lot of money and went through a lot of courses and did a lot of different things with him. In fact, a number of years later, he said, Scott, I'm coming to town. I want to buy you dinner. I said, holy cow, you've never bought me anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm in. Are you kidding me? He said, but I got to come and ask you a couple of questions. I said, sure, that's great. And so he, he came in. We met. We were sitting there. He said, you're easily the most successful speaker that I've ever trained. But he said, I got to ask you a a question. And I said, what's that, John? He said, you're the only one out of the thousands that I've trained that did exactly what I told you to do. And he said, I got to know why. And I said, okay, I'll, well, I'll, I'll give you the answer, but let me ask you a couple questions first. He goes, okay. I said, how many dollars worth of checks did I write to you? And he gave me a number and I said, yeah, that sounds about right. And I said, how many of those checks did you cash? He said, every one of them. I said, you now know the reason. 
why would I pay you the very best at your craft to learn from you and then not do what you suggest I do? He goes, you, you wouldn't believe it. You're the only one who ever has. And I said, okay, I guess I'm just silly enough to respect what you taught me and go do it. And so in every area of my career, I have gone out. Uh, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Harvecker, Dr. John Dealey, J.J. Virgin, John Childers, James Smith. I can list the, the mentors that I've written checks to to learn their specific area of expertise to make me better than I was prior. And I think that that's the thing that, that people, again, they don't know their why. They don't know why they're starting to, why do I want to go do this? Well, if they get that figured out and then find the person who's been there before, the wheel's invented. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Use the model of what has worked and go execute that. You know, if you look out all the 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 great name speakers, they're aging out. Bob Proctor is 84. Brian Tracy is 76. Jack Canfield, 75. Mark Victor Hansen, 72. Les Brown is 76. The, all the people that we've learned from are starting to age out. What a great time to be one of those people to kind of fill that void because knowing the models and, and being able to execute those models is still the fastest, most efficient way. The mentorship apprentice, uh, apprenticeship approach has never failed in the course of history. You know, it's really, really interesting you say this, right, is I'm right there with you. Like, for example, like we were talking about Aaron. Mm -hmm. I was like, look, and I, and, I, and I joke with people that interview me and go, hey, how are you so successful? And I'm like, well, I find people that are really good at what they do, and I pay them, and mm -hmm. I do what they tell me to do. Mm -hmm. So I literally have, if you look at my sphere of people, I pay a whole lot of people to tell me what to do. They receive my money to tell me what to do. And why do I do that? Because they are the subject matter experts at what right. they do. Like, if I know that if Erin asks me a question, she's trying to get clarity on a direction that we're going in. She's not going to ask me a question of how to go do it because she already knows. I'm paying you because you're the pro. If you're asking me how to do that, first off, you that was a bad nightmare. You, you didn't want to ask me in the first place, right? But also, it's like I, I think about it like even in one of my businesses, which is real estate. So coming up on four years in a row, being the number one producer for Sotheby's, built an incredible team. The 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 four other folks, one of my wife, incredible, Michelle, Lynn, and James. And I mean, we're, we're rocking it, right? I mean, I the amount of business that we're doing is just beyond what I even thought we would ever do. I mean, I've done well over a hundred million just in, just in the last couple of years, averaging closing two deals a week, right? On average, I close two deals a week. Yet I find it fascinating when I get a client who's only ever probably bought or sold something once or twice in their life, don't want to listen to anything that we're, that we're saying. That we actually created a process to vet them out. And people are like, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, like, well, I'll give you an example, right? As in 2020, I said no to over $4 million worth of production throughout the year of people I wasn't going to work with. They weren't bad people. They were good people. But I'm like, if you're going to pay me for what I'm doing, but you're not going to do what I ask you to do, we're just wasting each other's time. 
Right. Why, why, why am I going to do that? Recent one came as a referral. Good person. I, I know these two people are good people because, one, they're intimately connected to another very good person. But they, you could just tell right off the bat they weren't going to listen. And it was like, okay, well, we don't have to do business together. And it was funny because I had a fear for like a lot of people that in my industry were like, one, they, they don't even do $4 million in a year, let alone say no to $4 million. And they're right. like, how could you say no to that? You know how much money you made? And I was like, oh, I still did over $40 million. Pretty sure I did, still did pretty well <laughs> with people that were actually listening. Right. Is what do you, what do you, in your experience, what are some, a reason or some reasons why somebody would pay for something but not, not do it? Like, why, why, why would you pay me? Like, you're paying me, like, for example, David Hargrave, been on my show, came to me, said, hey, bought my house a couple years ago at this. I've already got another house. I want to sell it at this. And I said, let me run the analysis on it. I said, yeah, I think we get pretty close to that number, which was significantly higher than what he had bought it for, right? And he was like, cool, you're the pro. You tell me. Here's a guy that is damn near worth a billion dollars, right? Entrepreneur. He's also a fellow TCU undergrad, fellow TCU MBA, brother's Marine, so he understood my mentality as it was. But it was like, you're the, you tell me, you're the pro. Here's a dude worth more money than I think I'll ever be worth. And he's saying, I'm paying you because you're the pro. Tell me what to do. And he did. He paid me a very significant amount of money to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. And he was like, man, I really appreciate you giving me my money's worth. And I was like, but you made it easy. I was able to accomplish that goal right. because there was things I needed you to do that even though you're worth more money than 99.99% of the population in the United States, you didn't beat me up. You didn't let ego get in the way. You didn't let anything else. And I know you've bought and sold a lot of real estate in your time. And you listened to me. So I was able to do my job because you paid me to do my job, but you didn't get in the way of me doing my job for you. Why do you think it is that people do that? Well, I I think there's there's, you know... I think all of a sudden they read a book and they think, oh, you know, I've got, I've all got it all down now. Or, or they watch a YouTube video and say, I've, I've got this thing nailed. And the reality is the reason people are experts at what they do is because they've lived it. They've actually done it. You know, the old, uh, you know, if you can't do it, teach it. right i mean but that's not the way it is with the you know when you go find a mentor who is the the best at their area if you don't listen to them shame on you the you know there's there's the old adage also stay in your genius and hire the rest (laughs) you know if i mean i can i i think it's hilarious in in my industry i don't actually don't think it's hilarious i think it's sad i think it's sad that people are trying to teach people how to sell from stage and how to even be on stage who have never been on stage it's like are you kidding me you don't do you realize the intricacies and the things that go on now i'm not saying i'm the only guy that can do that but there are people out there that that sell themselves as you know i can teach you how to how to present from stage. That's just one example. I mean, it'd be the same thing. I mean, I'm a, I've been a sales guy all my career. I've sold a lot of different things. And people sit there and say, well, you can't sell it that way. Well, I've sold millions and millions and millions of dollars that way. So that's not a true statement. 
I now maybe you can't because somebody else has told you you got to use caveman style selling. You know, bop them in the head, drag them back to the table. You know, but caveman style selling doesn't make you a customer for life. What it does is it gets you one sale, maybe if it sticks and it goes away. You know, people are you know buyer's remorse or all the or they wake up from the getting hit in the head and they realize they don't want to do business with you. I think anybody who reaches out to find a mentor or to find a business person with the expertise is showing great forethought and and it's probably pretty darn successful themselves because they do stay in their genius. They stay in the stuff that they're really good at. It, it's interesting. I've learned, like I said, I've written checks to a lot of different mentors. Why? Because I wanted to be as broad a, a individual as I could be when people ask me questions. But at the same time, if somebody says, hey, I really need this area of expertise, is that you? I would say no, but I know who it is. And I would deflect them to that appropriate mentor. Be who you are. Be the best you are at what you do consistently. You'll have great success. Stop trying to do everything. Stop trying to be everything. You can't do it. I mean, it's funny. My wife has said multiple times, you're such a great sales guy. Why don't you go into real estate? I know nothing about real estate. I bought my house 33 years ago. <laughs> you know, I bought it again in a divorce. Bought the same house twice. That's not very smart. <laughs> so come on. You know, I mean, what do I know about it? Because the market's hot? I mean, I could go learn about it, but it it doesn't make my heart go pitter-pat like it does some of my friends who are amazing realtors. You know, let them do their thing. Let me do my thing. Now, helping somebody present something or sell something or position something, I love that. Why? Well, it's what I've done my entire career. And so take your area of genius and help people, you know, get where they are. You know, it was the same thing. I never... I never had this burning desire to have a book. But when you get into the speaking business, if you don't have a book, you're not credible. Well, now I got 15 of them. Okay. Now, last one's really good. And, but even that was, I don't know that I really wanted to have a book. It's, I didn't do it because I really wanted to have a book. You know, I wanted to share messages of hope and inspiration with people. That was the real reason behind it. We're, we're at a very unique time. You know, business will never be done the same way it's been done. Everything has modified, much more technology involved. So if you're going to get your value as, a, as an individual, meaning certificates of appreciation, some people call them dollar bills, Right? It's simply a certificate of appreciation. How much value have you exchanged with somebody to do that? You better go up and beyond the call 100% of the time and really be known for being the expert in a particular area and stop trying to be an expert in all areas. You know, I, I really respect people that, that, you know, it's funny. People say, well, as an executive coach, you know, how do you – do you tell me what I want to hear? <laughs> I said, no, you got the wrong guy if you're looking that. I tell you what you need to hear. 
it, it, there's a there's a big difference because a lot of times people think that that I, you're just going to go along with them. It's just the opposite. The reason you hire a coach is to be eyes outside, fresh eyes looking at you to determine what you're missing or what you're whatever. Now, I'm not that guy that beats people up. We walk through it very easily and, and I, you know, I help them come to the conclusion that they probably already knew. They just weren't willing to accept it. It's, there's difference in styles. There's all those kinds of different things out there. So when somebody says, hey, can you help me in a specific area? Absolutely. Like I say, I've got four different clients in one room this afternoon so that we can put together a potential deal that individually each one of them couldn't put together. And you know you're going to get a good coach when – so I've had an executive coach twice. And both times – They've told me everything that my wife would tell me for free. But when you spend money on it, you have a tendency to listen. Yeah. And, and some of the, you know, and they did. They they weren't telling. There was a few things I learned about myself that I was like, oh, wow. And one, if you're angry at what somebody says, it's probably because it's true. Right. Yeah, you probably want to examine that. <laughs> right. And, and so, but it helped me. But it was only in their control to point it out. It was in my control of what to go do about it. Right. Or choose not to. And. You know, when you were talking about, you know, like, you know, looking at all these different things is be curious, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Like, 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 I'm curious by you. When you and I, we talked on the phone, I was curious by you. I wanted to learn more about you. I wanted you to come on my show. But by being curious and learning about you doesn't mean that I'm going to go do what you want to do. Because if there's anything that I've learned of kind of like what you were alluding to is why focus on turning strength or weaknesses into strengths when you can just outsource that and focus on turning your strengths into superpowers. Right. And like I often tell people is like, look, I, I'm really, if I had to use it as a parable, I can build you the best landscaping money could ever buy. But I'm not the guy that's going to get you yard of the month. I'm yeah. just not that detailed. I'm just, I, I, I can see things that a lot of other people can't see. I understand the foundation. I understand where we can push, where we can't. And I've got a lot of experience in that realm that that's what I can do. But if you want yard of the month, I'll get you the foundation. Then you can go get the person that's going to get you yard of the month. And so um, people would often accuse me that I only hire Marines. It's not true. Although a lot of people are Marines, either partners with me or whatnot. So like in what I'm doing now is I've got three Marines that in the last six months, we've built three other companies. And... We've got other Marines that already own their own companies that are already also here, but the three of them never owned their own companies, and they each have different types of companies that actually all interact together. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about, hey, let's put this all together, and everybody's making money, and everybody's doing good, and all of that. And uh, and so some of the things that, as I'm helping them go through this, is I said, stop living in fear, right, is you, when I wake up every day, I wake up and I acknowledge that the gravy train could end today, right? Like there could be things outside of my control. I don't know, global pandemic, whatever, things that could get in the way that even though we're crushing it right now, today could be the day that it ends. Now, I don't live in fear of that, but I acknowledge that that exists. Then I go on with my day and I seize it and I kill it and I give it everything that I've got. And then 
The next day I'm going to get up and I'm going to have the same conversation. Today could be the day. But I'm not going to live in fear of that. I just have to acknowledge that that exists. Because what I don't want is if that day were to happen that I go, oh, no, why didn't anybody tell me this could all end? I just acknowledge it. But what it also does is it helps me open up my perspective to do things to protect within my control yeah. things that could cause this train to stop. And and it was funny when you were talking about Grand Slams is that's another thing that I um, I tell th- these three guys and other, other people is I go, in business, it's like baseball, not football. In football, when teams start a season, a team can actually believe that they can win every game in the preseason, regular season, postseason, and Super Bowl. And, and it's been done before, right? There's only X amount of games. I can't remember what it is, 18, 20 games, whatever. whatever. But in baseball, no one in the history of ever and ever has ever won every single baseball game. What are they, like 100 and 100, 162. 162 games, right? You cannot win every game in baseball and still be the best team that ever existed. Right. So you have to acknowledge you're not going to win them all. Things are going to happen every once in a while. You could be the best pitcher and someone knocks it out of the park. And as it turns out, the bases were loaded and it was a grand slam and you didn't win that game. But that's okay because you're going to come back and you're going to play him again tomorrow. Then you're going to play a different team the day after that. And you got to be able to have that ability to get up and just keep going, right? And and the way to do that, have that honest conversation in the mirror, right? And it is. It's very scary to have that honest, true, honest conversation in the mirror because if you can't be honest with yourself – how can you expect to be honest with anybody else? And by the way, that person in the mirror is the only person that can tell you what you can and can't do. A lot of people, they give away so much power. They give so much away that I'm like, if you have a real conversation with the person in the mirror, then guess what? You, you, you're going to be okay. And like one of the things I have on my mirror is this little yellow card that I'd filled out. I'd gone to this seminar a number of years ago and I'd put down, this is what I'm going to make this year, right? And it was a pretty outrageous number. The cart's still up on my mirror. And so James, one of the guys that works with me, number he goes, you already surpassed that number. And I said, yeah. And he goes, why do you still have it up there? I said, just as a reminder that the only person that could have prevented me to do that is the same person that's in that reflection right there is when I wrote that number down, yeah, I didn't hit it that year. Now, I did pretty well, and people were like, oh, well, you didn't hit that number. And I was like, yeah, but this is what I did. It's still good, right? And then now I've surpassed that number that it's moved the goalpost again. It's only only me that can get in the way of that. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be all, say all of everything. I'm successful at it because I'm a scary judge of talent, and I know how to identify the right people to partner with me to go do those things whenever – my weakness is their strength. Why do I want to waste my time on that, right? I don't want to waste any time on that. Here, that's what you're good at. You go do that. My wife and I are prime examples of that. The things that I am incredibly weak in, she is incredibly strong in. Things she's incredibly weak in that she has no desire to do are my towering strengths, and we don't let ego get in the way. So I push her out of her comfort zone, and she keeps me from going to federal prison. So it <laughs> works good. out really well. And and it's important to be able to do that with folks. And But I've also got to the, a lot of these methodologies because 
I learned that if if your focus isn't money, your focus is something else, then the money naturally follows, right? right. So I wanted to be I, – I, I didn't want to be the best in real estate. I wanted to create the best team in right. real estate, right? Because I can only do so much. And guess what? It's only 24 hours in a day. Time, commodity you can't buy more of, can't get a refund on it once spent. But I can find people that were better aspects of the business than I am that we brought them together and then we gave them autonomy. So people often ask me, well, why is it that you you partner or hire Marines so many times? And I said, because not to take anything away from the other branches, but Marines are known to be autonomous. Yeah. And that's what I want. I am not a micromanager. Once you've got it, I want to be able to go, yep, you're good to go and tear at it. You've got what you need. So like... For example, James, he's he's the most least detailed person on the planet. He'll be the first to admit it. And I said, but you have to get these details down. And he's like, you're the one who always says, turn a, don't turn a weakness into a strength. And I was like, yeah, but if you're going to be the subject matter expert at what you do, you have to know what you're talking about. So you have to do this painful portion. But once you're a subject matter expert at that, then we're going to build people around you that absolutely go and do all that stuff for you. But if you can't communicate what you need to the people that are right. better at that than you, then all we're doing is wasting a lot of time and a lot of money. And, and it took him a little while to get it, but then he got it. And then now he's just, hey, give me more, give me more, give me more. And he is. And then now he's, you know, because I was like, look, I, I brought you in the fold because you've forgotten more about sales than I'll ever learn. And that's just because you were born with this natural ability to sell a cup of water to a, to a drowning person. You just, it's, it's what you do. But for you to be effective, I need to build a team around you of, that you can effectively communicate with them to say, I need you to do this, this, and this. And then you give them the autonomy to go do that. So that way you can focus on selling. And once it sunk in, right now, he also came from the insurance industry over to this insurance, slow and low, like a brisket, right? <laughs> yep. Real estate, Hot, fast, and seared like a steak from Del Frisco's, man. I mean, it's on the it's on it's on the grill there probably less than two minutes, right? And and so I knew there was a transition to come with that, so I accepted that. But he got it, and now he's doing it, and he's now. And he even told me he goes, you know. So I flew him out uh, two weeks ago to see his nephew graduate Marine Corps boot camp because as Marines, that's that's especially yeah. when you got a family member who does that, it's important, right? And I handed him a first-class plane ticket and a very nice hotel for two nights. I said, here you go, man. And he's like, man, really appreciate that. He goes, yeah, man, I never flown first class. And I said, it doesn't suck. <laughs> so he gets on a plane, comes back, and he goes, you know, what's really funny is he goes, while I was on that plane, I realized I've made more money in the last six weeks than I've never made in an entire year ever in my life. And he goes, and even though the checks have been coming in, I didn't even realize that until I was on that plane. And I just had time to sit there and think about it. I said, yeah, don't make money the focus. Make being great your focus. Money will follow. The pe- people that trust you are going to trust you. Don't be in a convincing business. Try to convince somebody to trust you that doesn't trust you. Right. Because chances are, if they don't trust you, it's not you anyways. It's They got either trust issues or they don't trust them or whatever the litany of all kinds of therapy can pay for. It's not your problem. Don't be in the convincing business. Come out, be transparent and say, this is what I do. This is what I don't do. And if you're looking for what I do and we can have that mutual understanding, we're going to be a great fit and we can move forward. And if they're not, stop trying to fit 
a square peg into a circle, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with what you were saying earlier, there's one definition that works for two words, and it's really important, and that is confidence in the unseen, assurance of the unknown. That's the definition of fear. It hasn't happened, but I'm confident it's going to happen, and it's not going to be good. Well, that's the negative side of it all. But it's also the definition for the word faith. Confidence in the unseen, assurance of the unknown. The reality is, and it's only verified and validated one place in the Bible in Hebrews 11.1, 1, the, the reality is we have a choice to take that confidence in the unseen and assurance of the unknown and apply the positive attitude behind it, positive actions, po positive steps, you know, working to find mentors, all those different things. And again, I totally agree with you. You know, intensify your strengths, outsource your weaknesses, you know, create a team around you. I think one of the most unfortunate things that's happening in this day and age is the change in athletics. And I was a five-sport athlete. Now, it beat up my body a little bit, no doubt about it. But I was coached by some of the most amazing coaches on the planet. But we learned, did we get yelled at? Of course we did. Did we, did we have to go do some physical stuff we didn't want to do? Of course we did. Did we also get rewarded and, and lifted up and everything? Of course we did. We learned the difference between wins and losses. And there's a dichotomy on our planet. Some win, some lose. There's the, it's not everybody sits in the middle. It doesn't work that way. And so when we're sitting here, especially in business, you know, having the experiences and the feeling, you know, experience is a great teacher. It's just a very expensive teacher. So outsource that experience if you don't have it yourself. Go and pay for it because you're going to pay for it one way or the other. You're going to pay for it in your own efforts and own you know, walls that you're going to bang your head into, and it doesn't feel good. But if you can find somebody who's been there and done that, if they've walked, walk a mile in their shoes, see what they've done, take all these different things. I, same thing, you hire Marines, I, I congratulate you for that. I, I would say it for another reason. They're disciplined. They, they know how to take instruction. They know, I mean, this is part of their, their conditioning. When I was in the Midwest and I was in corporate America, I hired people from the state of Iowa, either the University of Iowa where I went to or Iowa State University for the most part. People say, why? Well, they grew up getting up at 4 o'clock feeding the hogs. You know, they, they were in the combine cutting the corn down. They were picking the soybeans. They were doing the stuff. And so when they went into business, the work ethic was there. They were accustomed to knowing that if I'm going to, you know, make any money farming or raising cattle or raising hogs or doing anything like that, there's work involved. There's work in everything. Now, make your vocation your vacation. Find the thing that makes your heart go pitter-pat and go do it. I love speaking. I love training. I love coaching. I love helping people. When, when they have a victory – after something we've talked about, it is so rewarding. It's, it's, I'm more, I'm happier for them and their successes than I am with my own. You know, I expect to do some pretty good things and I've done some pretty good things. 
But when you work with somebody so that they can achieve what they want to achieve, it's absolutely amazing. I was fortunate enough to share the stage with Zig Ziglar and get to know the family and everybody to this day, Tom and Cindy and Julie. And But when I was 17, I read See You at the Top, and there was a quote that forever changed my life. You can have everything in life you want when you help enough other people get what they want. It was a positioning statement. It was, it was. you mean the money will come if, if I serve people? Yes. You mean the, the recognition will come if I serve people? Yes. You mean the promotions will come if I serve people? Yes. You can have everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It's why I do my podcast. The show is called Scott Schilling Speaks, but the most I speak is to lift my guest up so that they have a platform to share what will make them more successful and trusting that if I help them become more successful, the show will be as successful as it's supposed to be. Just makes me feel good. It's fun to do. And so, again, I think so many people get in that, you know, well, it's and don't get me wrong. Money is important because it, it, it you can have influence with it and you can do great things with it. So you have to have it. But it's not the focus, it's the reward. And and if we serve enough people, again, it's certificates of appreciation. You, you If you provide enough value to other people, you will be rewarded with certificates of appreciation called dollar bills. So with the amount of experience that you have, I bet we could make a 52-week episode off of just off the things you've forgotten, let alone learned in your time period. But if you could go back to 20-year-old self... And I know there's a litany of things we'd all want to tell 20-year-old self. But you knew 20-year-old self was going to give you five minutes and actually say, okay, I'm willing to listen and either do or don't do this. What would you tell 20-year-old self? Be really serious about finding the people who have been there and done that. Be quiet and listen. Listen and learn. And at 20, I was invincible. Think unfortunately, many twenty-year-olds are. And had I stopped and listened and learned even more than I did, I I would have been far better off in the long haul. And that's one of the things I think we need to share with millennials today. Boomers actually have some pretty good wisdom, and we're willing to share it. So if you're a millennial out there and you want a little help and willing to listen. I'd love to share some ideas with you. Where do they find you? Scott at scottschilling.com, scottschillingspeaks.com, scottschilling.com. I'm not hard to find. (laughs) (laughs) And just in case you're driving down the road, you're not watching this on YouTube and you're listening and you need to try to remember what that is, you can always go to myexperiencedrealtor.com, click on podcast, scroll down to Scott Schilling, and we'll have all those links in there for you to be able to reach out to Scott And as always, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, go to that homepage, click find a trusted professional. We'll get you connected. Scott, thank you for coming in on the episode. Appreciate you.